The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Are you over 40? And perhaps, like many Australians, don't mind a drink, enjoy a good meal with friends and family, and have put on a few extra kilos over the years. Well, all these risk factors are taking their toll on our liver. The liver is an amazing organ. It has this incredible ability to regenerate. However, are we pushing our liver too far? In fact, throughout the world, consistent and overconsumption of alcohol is now the leading cause of liver disease. So today on MediTalk, we are speaking with Professor Luc Delivier about liver health. Professor Delivier is a professor of surgery at the University of Western Australia. He is also the senior surgeon at the Liver Transplant Service at St Charles Gardner Hospital, as well as being a leading liver and general surgeon at St John of God Hospital in Subiaco. Where is the liver and what is its main function? So the liver is in the right upper part of your abdomen. Mm -hmm. It's quite a big organ. It's the biggest organ of the abdomen. It weighs around uh, um, between one kilogram and 1.5 kilogram. So um, its function is very complex, actually. uh, It receives all the nutrients from the digestion in the intestine via a vein called the portal vein, and it captures all those nutrients, and it stores part of it, like the glucose, uh, where it creates glycogen inside the liver, and um, it stores also other things that it will release uh, depending on some hormonal adjustment. Mm. Then um, it creates a lot of things. Uh, It creates a lot of protein for our blood, like all the coagulation factor. Uh, It also detoxifies our our blood from what's called the bilirubin that is uh, excreted via the bile ducts that comes out of the liver. So it's a very complex, uh, very complex organ. And it sounds like we, due to all the complexity, we take it a bit for granted. Yes, so uh, we take it for granted and uh, the, the liver is an organ that can take uh, a lot, but uh, it, uh, it has also a memory of the, the damage that is made to him. And then what's made you fascinated about the liver in your, in your medical journey? But what's something that we wouldn't know about the, the liver that is fascinating? Yes, so um, for example, the, the liver it contains also uh, some bone marrow. And uh, in, for example, in the animals, when if you do a transplant between animals, you can reconstitute their bone marrow if they have been irradiated. And... Um, Another thing that uh, people don't know is that we, the liver does regenerate. We can remove during surgery up to 75% of the liver. Wow. And um, within three weeks or four weeks, it will reconstitute the whole volume. So if you reduce it to 25% of its volume, it will recreate all the rest. And uh, we still don't understand the mechanism of that. And uh, there's been research done for over a century about it, but uh, we still... Mm. don't understand how it starts, how it's triggered and how it stops. And it is a miracle, really, because there's other organs that can't regenerate, but then this amazing liver can. 
Yes, and also it's also why the liver can heal a lot of damage because it uses the same mechanism to uh, recreate part of its damaged tissue. Why should we care about looking after our liver? Because um, when the liver is damaged repetitively, uh, it will develop a form of scarring uh, response. So if it, it's like um, if you have... Um, a burn on your skin mm -hmm. it will create a scar and that scar will take different stages and um, the liver can does that too if it is inflamed for too long then it starts to create a scar and that scar really uh, surrounds all the cells of the liver and at the start it's called fibrosis but mm -hmm. if it becomes too thick, uh, then it becomes what's called a cirrhosis. And then your liver can progress towards what's called liver failure, where it cannot uh, do its functions anymore. And um, in other cases, when you have cirrhosis and you continue to have ongoing inflammation, then it can develop cancers inside the liver. And is those the types of conditions and diseases that we would come to see you to have a liver transplant? Yeah, correct. So the, the, the liver transplant is uh, one of the, the answers to, to those type of problems. Uh, we, we are very selective with the people to whom we can offer liver transplantation. In Western Australia, we do around 25 liver transplants per year. So Is that a lot? Um, we, probably we could do more if there was a higher rate of organ donation. Mm. Um, I think that if we had to transplant everyone that needs a liver transplantation, uh, probably we would need to do around 50 liver transplantation um, per year. But um, there, is, um, there is some very strict regulation uh, for the criteria of admission on the wait list. And so we could open more those criteria for, and give chance to people more often. And have you noticed as a surgeon um, over the years that that's increased, the need to have a liver transplant increased? Um, it's, it's, it's a changing... A changing... A changing um, Feast. Yeah. Uh, when, when I started um, being interested in liver transplantation in the 80s, um, autoimmune liver disease, so when you create antibodies against your liver, were the main indications for liver transplantation, and hepatitis B. Mm -hmm. Those two indications have almost disappeared or have decreased a lot. And then for quite uh, some time until uh, recently, hepatitis C was the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest problem. And uh, not just the liver failure by hepatitis C, but the, the fact that it created a lot of cancers. Mm -hmm. And we're still facing that somehow. And now the, the largest number is due to people who have had fatty liver disease for a very long time during their life. And they have developed cirrhosis and now cancers on those fatty livers. So, um, yes, it, it, has, it has evolved a lot over the last uh, 40 years. What are the most common liver diseases and conditions that people can suffer? The most commons really and uh, that we, we treat the most is uh, um, alcoholic liver disease remain a, a big uh, a bit part of the the work it's it's not a, a very prominent indication for transplantation only 10% of the people 
with uh, are transplanted for uh, alcoholic liver disease. So most of the patients are transplanted for other reasons. Mm. Uh, so alcoholic liver disease is uh, uh, probably the one where the most can be done to stop the damage to the liver. And uh, the liver can recover uh, mm. if it has not progressed too far. Uh, the, the scarrings uh, in the liver will not disappear, but the cells recover their function and the liver can regenerate some of its capacity. So a lot of people who stop drinking will actually stabilize and improve over six months, one year, and uh, not need any form of care anymore after that. So the, the other one is um, that is very prominent is uh, fatty liver disease. So there is a... Um, a huge epidemic of uh, uh, obesity in Australia, and the numbers are quite uh, quite enormous. So, mm. you know, out of 20 people, uh, probably four people, four persons will have um, advanced fatty liver disease. And uh, out of those four people, one will in time uh, develop a cancer or some complications from liver cirrhosis. Mm. So um, if you put uh, 20 million people in Australia, that's 4 million with actually having uh, fatty liver disease. Wow. And probably within time, up to 1 million Australian, we will have complication of liver disease. And that's something that we expect to happen uh, within the next uh, uh, 20 to 30 years because the, it's already happening now at a much higher rate. And uh, everything indicates that it will continue to, to increase. In, in some place in America, in some centers in America, already 30% of liver transplantation are done for cirrhosis due to fatty liver disease. Wow. And then what causes fatty liver disease? Is it lifestyle risk factors? Yes, lifestyle risk factors, uh, quality of food, quantity of food, uh, obesity. So it's estimated that uh, most people who have fatty liver disease, if they were to lose uh, 10, 10 to 15% of their body weight, would bring back their liver to a normal uh, status of uh, um, of. Uh, aspect of their tissue. The problem with fatty liver disease is that for a very long time it has been underestimated. Um, people were thinking it was just going to be, you know, a bit of foie gras and mm. that's it. But what appeared, appeared more and more is that uh, at the same time of the liver accumulate fat, it becomes also inflamed. We don't understand completely what's the mechanism of that, but there's also a chronic inflammation of the liver. Mm. And um, because of that inflammation, you start to have those stage of fibrosis, scarring, cirrhosis, and then development of uh, liver cancer. And uh, a lot of people are not aware because the, the liver can keep its function for a very, very long time. Um, you know, it sounds like a very resilient very, organ very to resilient. a point. Yes, you need to have pushed it to uh, extreme to, to really make it fail. But uh, the other way, it can really uh, go 
pear shape is by developing cancers if it's inflamed for too long. No, every tissue that is inflamed for too long will develop cancers because the tissues have to repair and when the cells have to mul um, multiply yes. to do the repair, that's when they do some genetic mistakes and that's when you develop cancers. So if you if you have, for example, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, you are more prone to cancer. If you smoke and your lungs are inflamed all the time, you are more prone to cancer. And if your liver is inflamed all the time by alcohol or uh, fatty liver disease or hepatitis C, uh, then you develop cancers. If you suspect because of your weight or if you want to know whether your liver is fatty, that can be detected by ultrasound or some special ultrasound that measure how much uh, fibrosis there is in the liver. Or uh, in many cases, if you have had that condition for a very long time, we organized for you to have a CT scan. And that would give us an idea of where you are and the fact that there isn't um, a cancer yet in your liver. Now, if, um, if we discover on one of these exams that your liver has fibrosis or cirrhosis, to, to have a cirrhosis from fatty liver disease or to have a liver cirrhosis from other causes is just as dangerous. It's not because it's due to fat that is less dangerous than from alcohol or from a virus. And so you need to go in a very strict for a protocol uh, where your liver is checked on a six monthly or yearly basis uh, to detect whether you would develop a cancer. And then what are some symptoms and signs that we should be looking out for if our liver's in poor health? So the, the what's called liver failure uh, gives you a different type of symptom. The fact that the, your liver cannot store and produce protein, store energy and produce protein makes that uh, you lose weight, you lose your, your muscle mass, you lose fat because the liver becomes too stiff. Your, uh, the, the f blood cannot go through the liver very easily and do, you develop varices in internal organs and sometimes you can have from some bleeds from your esophagus because some veins there have died. You might vomit up a little bit of blood. Yeah, well, sometimes it's not some just lot. a little bit. And um, uh, the other aspect of it is to become jaundiced because your liver cannot progress, process the, the bile anymore. And so you, you become jaundiced. Because and what's that jaundice, just to explain? So um, it's a piment that should be excreted by the, by the liver. Uh, so when in your, in your red blood cells, in your uh, globules, mm -hmm. uh, you, you have what's called the hemoglobin. And when the spleen degrades those cells, uh, there is the, the remnant of that that is going through your blood and is captured by the liver and it's excreted mm -hmm. uh, by the liver through the bile duct into your intestine. That's what makes your stools be dark. Okay. okay. Uh, and uh, people who, who have um, uh, advanced fatty liver disease or advanced liver disease uh, cannot do that metabolism anymore. And so the bile, rather than to be processed and get out of their mm. blood, stays in their blood and from there goes into their tissue and uh, their eyes, their, the white of their eyes become yellow, their okay. skin become yellow. Um, so you'll see a change in yes, your skin right. colour, your eye colour, yeah. your yes. stools might be darker. Yes. And so also because, you're, because your spleen become 
bigger and you have no coagulation factor. Uh, people develop a lot of bruising everywhere because their coagulation is poor and their platelets is qu are quite low as mm. well. So there's a, a lot, a lot of consequence of uh, developing um, um, liver failure. So that's one of the issue. That and they should go and see their GP. Yes, of course, see their yeah. GP and then be referred to, to see what needs to be done. So how much of liver conditions are caused by poor lifestyle choices versus our genes? Uh, probably most. Ninety <laughs> percent. <laughs> yeah, ninety percent probably. So the you know the hepatitis C is most likely due to uh, intravenous drug abuse. So it's a self-inflicted uh, problem. Alcohol mm. is a self-inflicted problem. Uh, fatty liver disease is a self-inflicted problem. So. Yeah, probably a good good percentage, a good seventy-five to eighty percent of all what's happening in the liver is driven by lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So, on the side of that, there's a lot of uh, other disease of the liver, uh, metabolic liver disease, because the liver has all those other functions, and sometimes they are. Uh, uh, not working very well and the liver for example start to accumulate too much iron or too much copper or uh, other things like that and so the liver has also a lot of very um, unusual disease where we see mm. very few cases and then what's the main age that we unfortunately can suffer liver disease or conditions and end up coming and seeing a specialist to get help? I mean, you, you can develop liver disease in utero, okay? The, mm -hmm. the youngest uh, liver transplantation town when I was at King's College the, was just a few days old wow. and uh, had the cirrhotic liver. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you can develop uh, liver disease in utero. There is some very specific disease of childhood uh, mm -hmm. that makes you develop uh, uh, problems with your liver, like biliary atresia, where the bile duct don't uh, work. Uh, don't develop very very mm -hmm. well, or we don't completely understand exactly what is the exact mechanism. But you, the, the the child will become cirrhotic within two or three years, mm -hmm. uh, just by the fact that the bile cannot be evacuated. Um, mm -hmm. So there is those type of uh, disease in the children. There, there is um, adolescents who are uh, have a start to have liver disease. Sometimes it's those condition of the child that have been able to be operated or treated for quite some time that bring them to adolescence or early adulthood, uh, where they can have then more advanced treatment like transplantation or other things. Um, and then in terms of all those diseases that are due to lifestyle, uh, most of them take time um, because it's a repeated aggression on the liver. It takes quite some time for the liver to be finally damaged to the point where it has consequence. Uh, but uh, they would uh, usually patients would become sick in their late 40s, 50s, uh, early 60s. And um, for us, in terms of... For example, transplantation, uh, it does, um, once the patient becomes too old or uh, no mm. older, then there's a lot of questions on uh, other type of complications or things that are due to age um, that, are, uh, that we have also to take into account. So most people with advanced liver disease as adult 
would have it in their um, late 40s to uh, um, 60s, 70s. So we'll talk about alcohol Mm because it's one of the ways, unfortunately, we can damage, uh, cause damage to our liver. How much of it? I mean, we live in Australia. Unfortunately, we we love alcohol. It's actually not such a simple question because um, different people have different sensitivity to alcohol. So uh, you can meet sometimes people that uh, you operate for other reasons uh, who have terrible uh, uh, drinking habits and their liver looks absolutely fine. And then uh, you will meet people who have uh, drank um, very little, um, but for example, we have also had fatty liver disease, and then the liver can be very damaged. So the sensitivity to alcohol can be uh, quite different. The other thing is that sometimes we find that the people drink very little, but in fact they have an additional liver disease, another metabolic liver disease, or something else that makes that they're sens- more sensitive to alcohol. So. Altogether, uh, you know, they, they say four or five uh, units of alcohol per per week, mm. which is uh, you know, a couple of glass of wine and a beer or two. Mm. But um, I think uh, that's that's uh, quite a social way to put it. But still, that type of level, if you have another uh, encouraging factor to liver disease could put you into to strife. So um, just use it very sparingly yeah. and uh, just be, be aware of it. Uh, have your liver checked also, you know, we, we're checking everything else, but people take their liver health for granted. Mm. You know, at, uh, at, 60, at 40, everybody is going to have uh, uh, colonoscopies or... Uh, uh, will have uh, a male will be started to be followed for their prostate, mm-hmm. but uh, very very little people, unless they have an issue, uh, have any form of checkup of their liver ever. And do you find that um, sometimes, sadly, by the time people have come to you, they've done quite a bit of damage, and yes, that perhaps yes, yes. if they and some. Quite, quite often, because the, the liver is such a big organ and um, it does not have much uh, uh, innervation. There's not much nerves in the liver, there's just on the capsule. So we, we can have people who arrive, uh, they've never felt unwell. They, they just had uh, an ultrasound for their new life insurance and uh, they discovered with uh, a tumor that is 10 centimeters in size. So, yes, uh, the, the liver can sometimes have some very nasty surprise. And then if you have a break from alcohol, so if people say, OK, I'm just going to have a bit of a binge over Christmas mm. and then in the new year I'll take a break and let my body recover, do they damage their liver? I mean, you know, yes, young I mean, people some, underestimate, overestimate. Some people, some people can die from a binge drink. So uh, we, 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 see, we see quite a few patients like that each year in uh, at Sir Charles Garner Hospital of uh, young people uh, who have been to a festival and at the same, you know, dehydrated and, um, and then binge drinking to the point where their liver 
is in in such a state of acute inflammation that uh, they go into liver failure and then other organs fail because of that. Uh, it's not uh, an indication for liver transplantation. So it's very um, serious. Even young people really need to be more mindful that the binges could be putting themselves at yes, a much yes, higher absolutely. risk. Absolutely. Each year in WA we have a few young people who die from binge drinking. Yes. One, one outing. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's very sad. And then thoughts on liver cleanses, detoxes, they're all the rage. You know, mm-hmm. we'll take this... Mm-hmm these tablets or we'll go and cleanse our liver out um, yeah. and fasting as well. That's very big at the moment. What's your thoughts on all that? Do, do they work? Well, um, no, no, none of them include alcohol or fatty food. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you do it yourself by removing what you know is not good for your liver, uh, you will achieve the, the same type of result. Um, some of those uh, can sometimes be down too aggressively um, and be actually damaging to the liver. So I think uh, there's, um, you know, um, probably um, a less radical way to do it and uh, uh, going going towards no alcohol, very little alcohol and um, controlling your weight is in the long term a better thing than some... uh, Once again, uh, the the liver doesn't like excess. Mm. And um, those type of uh, cleansing sometimes can be quite excessive in the way they they go about things. And then best ways to prevent, obviously, watching our weight, um, watching what we eat, Mm -hmm. um, watching how much alcohol we consume. Are there any other good ways of preventing liver disease? Yes, I think it's important for your liver to be uh, progressively with age for the liver to be part also of the organs that you understand needs to be checked. Okay, It's not all about uh, the, the prostate and the intestine. The, the liver is also an organ that can kill you. Um, and it's important to have it checked in your blood test when you go to see your GP. Um, and it's important in the long term to, to think about it. So if we are concerned and we take on your advice, what do we ask the GP when we're looking, when we want to have a look at our liver and yeah. see if it's healthy? What would we be asking for or what advice do you think? So the... Um, the best thing to start with is to, to have blood tests. It's called the liver function test, and it covers different aspects of what the liver does. Um, we measure also the coagulation of the liver. There is a new um, blood test that is called the EPASCO, which is a, a test that can give us an idea on whether the liver has developed some fibrosis or not. And to have an ultrasound done of the liver is something that is a good um, routine um, test to see whether there is something anywhere in your liver. So in people who are uh, normally built, that's quite good. People who are overweight, then it can become difficult for the ultrasound to be good enough. um, And then a CT scan should eventually be done. And then what age do you think? Yeah, go and check your liver out. Go and have a chat with your GP. Well, I I think uh, from from 40, I think it's a good organ also to be part of the checklist. Mm. Okay, A, a lot of things 
change when you turn 40. Your eyesight will go within uh, uh, within two weeks. Uh, <laughs> your uh, and and we know, for example, from uh, liver surgery that uh, the the speed of regeneration of the liver after 40 decreases very radically and also very quickly. So um, if you do a, a liver resection in someone over 40, it takes probably an additional two weeks or three weeks for it to recover its volume. So definitely the, the liver after 40s just gets old suddenly. Yes. <laughs> like your eyesight, yeah. and like uh, other things in our physiology, 40, 40 is an important age. So um, I think it's, it's important by that stage to consider the liver um, as one of the organs that should be checked. Just to end, what are some key messages about liver health that are sort of key takeaways that people should remember? My my one about that is really um, alcohol is you know something that everybody knows. Fatty liver disease has been underestimated. We we have thought it was just foie gras. That's not the case at all. It is something that can really kill you. So it is something that needs to be taken far more seriously. Um, IV drug use remains a, a, a risky, uh, risky habit, uh, and so it should be uh, should be avoided or done extremely uh, safely. Um, and for the rest, uh, as we just discussed, I think uh, for the liver to become one of the organs for which you have a regular checkup um, is a good idea. And how often would you check up? Once a year or? Yeah, once a year. Once a year, if you have a GP visit where you have uh, bloods being down, like you check your, your kidney uh, function. Or your uh, glucose. Or your glucose or all that. Your liver function tests are important. And if something is wrong there, uh, then it's for your GP to to start some preliminary test. And if something is cannot be explained by the GP or if something is revealed by a first ultrasound or CT scan, then it's important to, uh, to come and see specialist centres. And I suppose if you're having your cholesterol checked, which a lot of people would check their cholesterol around that age and make sure yeah. it, that's probably a good one to throw in there yep, a yep. liver liver yes. test yep. with the bloods <laughs> all right well thank you so much for your time today okay pleasure thank you so much a big thank you to professor delivier for sharing his knowledge with us today on meditalk and to learn more about professor delivier visit sjog.org.au and the livercenterwa.com.au if you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member Please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.